0: This is R. J. Rushdoony, easy chair number four hundred and twenty-five, January the sixth, nineteen ninety-nine. This evening, Douglas Murray and I will discuss a very important subject, modernism. To begin with, an introduction to the general subject. Modernism is the accommodation of biblical thought and of the Bible to the contemporary world and its thinking its science its philosophy and its religious views now strictly speaking modernism is as old as Christianity because in the very earliest days of Christianity before the end of the first century Gnosticism had begun to take over in certain segments of the church, and we find some uh, hints of that throughout the New Testament. Modernism accommodated the uh, biblical thought, the New Testament in particular, as it was being revealed and given, to the science of the day, When we now read the modernist writings, or Gnostic writings of that time, they are very absurd, very difficult for us to understand. We find it difficult to think that anyone could believe such nonsense. But the fact is, they believed it, they understood it, and to them it made far more sense than... uh, the New Testament, or the Old. The same is true today. Modernism as we know it began with the rise of the modern age, sometime uh, with the Enlightenment, 1660 or thereafter, although it has been the past two centuries in which it has in particular flourished and won a number of adherents. Today, modernism is very prevalent. In fact, we can say that it probably commands all the mainline churches, or vast segments of them. Modernism wants to accommodate biblical thought to modern scientific and philosophical thought. As a result, very early, the Genesis account was set aside. The supernatural throughout the Old and New Testament, miracles and the like, were naturalistically explained or set aside. As a result, we had a humanistic gospel in essence, or a naturalistic one, The belief in a supernatural God, the God of the Bible, gave way to a God who somehow was a vague uh, force or movement or impulse in the natural world. And that he worked, of course, by an evolution, that he was in essence unconscious, and that His accomplishments are by chance and by accident. Modernism now commands most seminaries and virtually all universities the world over. Because of its very close link with the modern era, with modern philosophy and especially modern science, it has the air of truth about it. People grow up quite sure that uh, it has to be true, that somehow if we are to uh, have an acceptable form of Christianity, it has to accommodate itself to the Uh, whole of the modern uh, world and life view. So, although Darwin's name is not mentioned in the churches, he is a greater force within the churches than uh, Jesus Christ. It is his view of evolution which governs the thinking of the churches, not the biblical view of six-day creationism of a God who is perfect, all-wise, and omnipotent, and who has ordained all things from the foundation of the world. As a result, modernism is prevalent even in circles that call themselves Bible believing. For example, a great deal of fundamentalism is infected by the uh, character of modernism, even though it sometimes vigorously denies uh, modernism. Uh, How can that be? Well, If you begin by seeking truth anywhere other than in the Word of God, or anywhere other than according to the premises of God and of His Word, what you then have is modernism. For example, what is the basic character of fundamentalism? Well. Fundamentalism is a major reaction against uh, modernism. It believes that he must be born again in order to be a new creature in Christ. There's nothing wrong with that. It believes that Jesus Christ came and indeed was born of the Virgin Mary and gave his life for our redemption, And again, there is nothing wrong with that. Where is it that uh, fundamentalism has gone astray? It has been in reducing the gospel to the purely personal level so that it is a matter of the soul that needs to be saved and... Christ as the Savior. Now, there's, again, nothing wrong with that, except what you have done is sidestep a number of the important doctrines of the Bible, beginning with God as Creator and certainly the fact of original sin, man's total depravity. According to the Bible... And we have the account of it very clearly in Genesis 3, 1 to 6. The fall of man was his submission to the temptation. Ye shall be as God, knowing good and evil, so that man as his own God determines what is good and evil. Now, what you have done in setting aside the priority of the doctrine contained therein, that is, of original sin, of man's total depravity, is that you give to man more ability than he has, the choice of choosing between God and humanity. And that is not true. Man cannot establish any premise apart from God. We are either sinners or we are the redeemed in Christ. There is no neutral ground wherein we can say, Well, I come out of this neutral ground. I haven't known God, which is too bad, and I'm ready to know him so I will accept him as my Lord and Savior. Well, it is not you who does the saving, but God who does it. It is God who accepts you in his sovereign grace in Jesus Christ, not you who choose God, who choose Jesus Christ. So the essence of Armenian fundamentalism is its priority to the individual and his choice. Now, modernism, because it is so prevalent in our time, governs every sphere of our thinking. It governs our political thinking, our scientific thinking, everything. Its basic premise is human priority. The autonomous mind of man making the decisions, saying, I will choose, not God will choose me. I have chosen and I will continue to choose and decide not that I must at every point in my life be governed by God and his spirit. So, modernism is a tremendous force in the world today. It is the essence of humanism, the worship of man, because it says that it is man's choice and man's mind and man's decision that is determinative. Well, with that general introduction, Douglas, would you like to comment?
1: Well, it's, it seems that every new generation that comes along, uh, it's almost a given that it rebels against the generation previous, and there's a continual relaxation of uh, uh, moral uh, uh, character. Uh, I've seen in my short time life, uh, lifetime rather, 65 years. And it seems to be a continual river. I mean, I talked to my parents and my grandparents, and they all felt that each successive generation was much more liberal than the one preceding. Um, The other thing that's puzzled me is that, uh, more in the form of a question, is that uh, one of the things that puzzles me is these doomsday groups (coughs) that uh, uh, some particular individual sets himself up as a prophet. Uh, albeit a false prophet and um, it seems in order to uh, justify his own position he has to take a bunch of people down with him. (laughs) Yes. And there's a group just recently that went over to Israel which I think the government of Israel either asked to leave or forced them to leave uh, and they were going to uh, uh, commit suicide apparently on uh, the event of the year 2000. Is, is this the ultimate result of, of modernism, uh, where um, uh, people choose death instead of life, uh, where they would rather follow a false prophet than follow the only real
0: one? Very interesting question. After all, we have to say, modernism in all its forms is a choice of death rather than life because Christ is life. Now, when we are modernists, what we have done, and it depends on the degree to which we do it, we pick and choose what we choose to believe. So the modernist may say, I will believe in nothing. Uh, I will refuse to believe that God is creator or that there is any order or purpose in the universe. Others will, to a limited extent, say, well, no, there is a God and there is a purpose, but uh, the purpose is understandable in terms of man so that they uh, see it not in terms of what is God's purpose, But what is the purpose that man works out and unfolds? Now, uh, as they view the world, what these uh, millennialists tend to do is to say history has to culminate in some kind of climax. It has to have an end. Every story has an end. Every novel unfolds a particular plot or purpose. So, their perspective is very self-centered. After all, when should the purpose properly unfold? Why, in my lifetime. After all, we represent the culmination of the ages. After all... As a contemporary man would say, we have developed the science, the knowledge, and so on. So if there's going to be a golden age or if there's going to be an end of the world in disaster, it's going to happen in our lifetime very soon. And uh, that's because we are the center of the world. Uh, someone who wants was trying to uh, sell me the idea that uh, the uh, millennium was going to come in just a few years. This was in the 50s. So that uh, well before the end of the century, perhaps in the uh, late 60s, early 70s, it would all happen. And I said, well, why does it have to be so? Well, it it does. Everything's coming to a climax. Everything's coming to a head. Well, couldn't it be that it's going to be 2,000 years from now? The answer shocked this woman.
1: Well, I think that it's due to man's limited perspective. Um, I think most humans find it very difficult to conceive of the idea of history going on forever yes uh, because they see an end to life therefore all life must they see an end to their life rather therefore they think that all life must end at some point Mm
0: -hmm. well genesis 3 1 to 6 tells us that original sin is the temptation to be as god Deciding for oneself what is good and evil. Now, if we have that in us, that sin, then uh, the decision is going to be made in our lifetime and we are going to be a part of the decision. So we cannot see uh, the struggle continuing, say, for 500 or 2,000 or 200 years. It has to be in the very near future. And the uh, people who have been given to that perspective have, from in the very, very early days of the church, have uh, been uh, setting dates within their la- lifetime or just about their lifetime. And uh, they're still doing that because they are a part of the climax. History has culminated in them, and uh, in its own way that's a form of modernism. You are saying that certain things that are a part of the modern context represent the grand climax of the ages. so. Modernism can be accompanied by a belief that uh, the millennial aspects of the Bible are true. Of course, such people pay no attention to the law. And all the prophecies are important in terms of prophesying the end of the world.
1: Well, there's always been a thriving business throughout history in predicting the end of the world. Yes. I mean, from biblical times, there were groups that broke off. Yes. uh, And, you know, holed up in cliffs and so forth and uh, 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 were predicting the end of the world, and uh, they isolated themselves.
0: Yes. Well, that's very true, and it's still true are always groups doing it and people ready to hear it. But even apart from those who will not line up with such groups, the modernist premise is very prevalent because it wants to read history in terms of today or in terms of themselves. They see themselves, their time, their concerns as the goal of the ages, the end of history.
1: Well, it's interesting that uh, uh, revolutions, political revolutions, rarely last more than one lifetime because unless the the fruits of the revolution or the advantages of the revolution are realized in a person's lifetime, mm-hmm. uh, it just doesn't work. They want to quit and turn around and mm-hmm. go the other
0: way. Well, you put your finger on a very important aspect that one or two scholars have dealt with, especially since the French Revolution. We've been in the age of revolution. And the idea of revolution is a secular, humanistic version of the millennial hope. It expects some great cataclysmic change to alter everything. Now consider uh, the belief that uh, if Christ comes tomorrow, he will immediately uh, judge and condemn uh, a certain portion of humanity and transform the rest of humanity or convert them with his second coming. Now what does revolution believe? You wipe out the evil, and everybody else is automatically good. It's very rewarding to look at the Russian Revolution, for example, in terms of that. Because we have enough of the writings of these men to be able to see that uh, Lenin and others were a bit shocked when, after they had gotten rid of the Tsar, overthrown the white Russian forces, and had seized control of the country, problems did not solve themselves automatically. Sin did not disappear. Crime did not disappear. The economic problems did not automatically resolve themselves. It was a matter of tremendous bewilderment to them. So they concluded that it had to be world revolution to bring about this change. And what you then saw was an intense belief that the next step had to be world revolution. And uh, a major conflict from some perspectives between Trotsky and Stalin was over that issue. Trotsky felt they had to try immediately create world revolution. Stalin felt we need it, but first we've got to build socialism here and now and keep it alive to be that aggressive worldwide missionary force. So that Stalin did not give up on world revolution, he just felt that it could not take priority over developing the Soviet state. Modernism is very prevalent today, and so much of the literature that is produced by Christianity is either explicitly modernist or has modernist undertones. This creates a major problem for us. One of the major forces helping counteract this is a Christian school movement. Now, many, many of the Christian schools, perhaps a majority of them, are premillennial. And yet, some astute people in those churches have at times expressed fearfulness because they feel that the Christian school movement takes the edge off of their premillennial hope that it puts uh, the stress more on the faith and its general application. And they are very, very much distressed over this fact, and with good reason, because a Christian school will stress the application of the faith, especially as it grows, in every sphere of life and thought. And that kind of Catholicity, of application of the faith, is anti-modernist. Modernism, by the way, today is both Catholic and Protestant, and uh, Darwinian ideas are very prevalent in Catholic circles, so that uh, Rome has been very profoundly influenced by modernist thinking. Of course, Vatican II was a classic example of that, in that the premises of modernism were applied by the Church Council to one sphere after another. Today, in the Protestant circles, even the fundamentals, fundamentalists are weakening in that they are less concerned with the totality of the faith and more and more with soul-saving, so that it's only a limited aspect of the gospel uh, which they stress. As I said earlier, in soul-saving they do not stress the fact of original sin and we cannot appreciate what our world is in its fallen estate unless we stress original sin a sin and how it has corrupted man his politics his science his family life every area of life and thought is clearly under the influence of the modernist premises of the abandonment of original sin. Original sin is very rarely mentioned in uh, churches today. And in fact, if sin is mentioned, it's only specific sins. Uh, you shouldn't do this nor that. Whereas The biblical emphasis is on the premise of sin, man trying to be his own God. We must remember that modernism is, by its very nature, a changing faith. It tries to keep pace with the contemporary world and contemporary thought. The modernism that... uh, Prevailed in uh, seminaries in the 1930s and 40s is no longer taught because the modernists have gone far beyond that. The modernism that uh, governed biblical thinking again has been replaced because it is a perpetually changing faith It prides itself on being open to new developments in every area of thought. Well, now, uh, putting it on the personal level, uh, we are in a modernist age in that people have changing affections. They're in love today and tomorrow they're not. And they see nothing wrong with that. They've got to move with the times. They've got to grow. We again have it in the attitude that uh, there is no absolute right or wrong, only that which is pragmatically true, which, for the time being, uh, serves our purposes.
1: People who say that uh they have to grow it's usually as a code word that they want to escape reality (laughs) and escape their responsibilities yes uh the other thing is that it seems to me that in the church modernism feeds on itself the minute that the church accepts a lower standard than it did previously immediately the next generation rebels always rebels against the church Mm -hmm. so as fast as the church lowers the bar it simply feeds on itself. It's a flywheel effect, and it, it, it devolves.
0: Yes, very important point. Devolution is basic to modernism, and in whatever sphere it goes, a devolution uh, begins to take over so that you go from uh, atheism to a belief in morality. You don't need God, but morality is eternally good. And then you go from a belief that there are eternally valid moral premises to a belief that uh, you determine good and evil in each age.
1: Well, the, the Church has acted like an indulgent parent spoiling its children. Mm-hmm. As fast as the children demand more, they get more.
0: Yes. And the more they get, the more they want. Well, when I was young, I used to wonder why so many people went to the modernist churches when there was no right or wrong of an absolute character, no God, the living God, eternally the same, for them, only a changing God, if any God at all. And then I began to appreciate the fact that it was precisely that lack of fixity that uh, they were worshipping. They wanted change. They did not want to be bound to the past, as they put it, so that uh, if you had to be forever faithful to uh, certain things, beliefs, or persons. There was something wrong with that.
1: Well, it's unfortunate, because I think that the, the Church has simply uh, sowed the seeds of its own destruction.
0: Yes. And it is beginning to take hold, because you now have uh, a few generations of modernists meaning by modernists, uh, transmission within a family. And what is beginning to take place is that uh, the children no longer stay in the Church. There's not enough there to make it worthwhile for them to believe anything that the Church teaches so that they are accepting... uh, the gospel according to the world according to television according to films the influence of uh, popular entertainment is today uh, enormous
1: well it's it's invaded the church big time
0: yes the uh,
1: I just I wonder if television uh, evangelism has accelerated the pace of modernism in in our time.
0: I believe we have an acceleration in the pace of uh, degeneration and decay because of um, modern entertainment. It is interesting to see how quickly the popular culture and the... uh, trends in television reflect one another. Television is looking to the youth culture, and the youth culture is looking to television. And uh, the worst they see in one another is what they prefer. So that uh, there's been an enormous rise of uh, uh, Cross-cultural influences between the world and entertainment.
1: Well, it seems to seek the lowest common denominator of taste yes. or intelligence or uh, moral uh, uh, character. Uh, the worse it gets, why? The worse it seems to get. Uh, each uh, each one of the, uh, the producers of these various television shows that deal in. Aberrant behavior uh, are, are trying to outdo each other, and mm-hmm. they go just as far as the civil law will allow them to go, and even beyond if they can get away with it.
0: Yes. Well, this uh, cross fertilization has reached the point now that it is also including the older generation. The older generation is beginning to imitate television also and the youth culture. So that uh, instead of the older generation helping shape and mold and guide the younger, it is in turn being shaped, molded, and guided. I have been uh, somewhat unwell in this past year, and there are days when I haven't been able to get to the desk and do any work, and I either doze off in the easy chair or use television to lull me to sleep because it is marvelous for me in helping me fall asleep. But I've caught a note more than once in which uh, older people speak about Learning from the young, as though there was a great deal to be learned from their waywardness. Now, that is uh, very strange to me, coming from the era I do. Uh, to learn from those who are unlearned,
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, to those who are rejecting the past and uh, all the uh, and uh, glory of the past and its history.
1: Well, kids are, uh, you know, young people today are very good at uh, problem solving, the brighter ones, but they have no common sense. Yes. Uh, so perhaps when older people say they learn from the young, perhaps they uh, learn about technology because kids are very quick to grasp that and grasp the advantages as far as labor saving and making life. Quotes easy for them, Um, but uh, I think that most older people understand that only experience—you just can't get wisdom any other way. You have to, you have to uh, try to uh, outlast your
0: mistakes. Mm -hmm. I know that uh, as the cultural revolution got underway on in the 60s, I was very favorably impressed not by their thinking, but their readiness to think. And at first there was an openness uh, towards even Christianity. However, I quickly realized there was also a shallowness Are you
1: speaking now about the
0: Chinese Cultural Revolution or ours here in the United States? Uh, Well, the youth of the 60s, the 70s, and early 80s. What uh, marked them was uh, a lack of application. They were ready to listen. I think much more ready to listen and more alert than the youth of the... 20s and 30s, but uh, it was a rather shallow listening. They did not want to think. They wanted a pop culture. They wanted something that uh, presented itself, appealed to them, could be adopted, and then they were all for it. Uh, This was the appeal of things like Woodstock. You got a gospel in a nutshell that required nothing of you except to indulge yourself. And there was no work in uh, attaining to it. It was a very shallow kind of mentality. And it still continues. Well, you have a lot of activities today, for instance.
1: Uh, and I don't mean to to uh, come down on any particular thing, but whitewater rafting, for instance, um, it produces nothing, mm-hmm. I mean, other than it's like a ride in a, in an amusement park to take mm-hmm. a rubber boat down a river, uh, but it's an industry yeah. that's, that's relatively new uh, as far as a, a business venture is concerned here in California, and there are other things of this type that are sort of like mental chewing gum. As soon as you're finished with it, you're a new customer again. Mm-hmm. You know, like drinking a soft drink. As soon as you're finished with the one you're working on, you're you're a new customer again. And people like those kinds of businesses because they keep generating yeah. cash.
0: Hey, hey, you put your finger on an important thing. We could say that we have very prevalent today a chewing gum culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's uh, very desirable for a little while, and then you spit it out, Mm -hmm. and uh, then you get another stick a little later. We have a deep-seated shallowness today, which is sad, because there's no lack of ability there. Some of these young people are remarkable in their aptitudes, but undeveloped. Mm -hmm. I could name two or three who should have become leaders of the uh, next century, but their unwillingness to grow led them to burn out and turn away from uh, everything that required growth.
1: Well, the, the way the academic system is set up today where they drain off the top few percent from all of the high schools mm-hmm. and send them to the university, where they take the best and the brightest and they hammer them down, just like the Japanese do. The, the, the Japanese have a saying that the nail that sticks up gets hammered down. And we're doing the same thing here in our universities. We take the people with the most potential and we destroy that potential uh by the time kids get out of uni- university today uh they'll take any job uh i mean a clerk mm-hmm. uh, working in a fast food place they come out of school with a degree uh bachelor's degree means nothing anymore i mean it it have it carries about the same weight as a high school diploma used to and in many cases the subject matter that uh, you used to get as a high school student isn't even given uh when you get a uh, say a bachelor of arts degree, because they flooded the curriculum with all of the socialist propaganda, and uh, kids, uh, the the kids with the intellect that could become leaders, it's wasted, it's squandered, yes. and it's a real tragedy.
0: Yes, uh, looking back in my high school days. I realized that most of us in my class knew what we wanted to do, knew what field of study we were going to go into. And at that time, not many of us could afford to go ahead, and it was very difficult to do so. But it's surprising how uh, most of them pursued their hopes, And today, it isn't pursuing a vocation. It's looking instead for a job. Mm -hmm. And uh, no great commitment. So that uh, anything will do if it provides the money. Now, being intelligent people, they get so they like their work or move around a little bit until they find one position that they like. But basically, their outlook is not in terms of what is my calling, Mm -hmm. but where can I find the proper place to gratify my hopes financially, economically?
1: Well, I think a lot of kids in school today, any... Uh, self-esteem is beat out of them long before they ever get to the university so that they are willing to accept any job when they get out of school. Uh, School has become a formality and I think many of them unfortunately don't even realize that they're not educated you know they get a piece of paper but they're not educated Uh, they haven't read the classics Uh, they really haven't uh, got a, a broad general education they've got a piece of paper in some specialty and uh, they're really quite limited mm-hmm. in what they can do they're pro and and the tragic part about it is that by the time they're 30 years old the knowledge they they got in the specialty is obsolete and they c- and the companies that they work for shunt them aside they, they throw them away uh, if they uh, rise up into middle management, they generally get dumped in downsizings and and cutbacks and so forth, and then they're out on the street, faced with making a living in, in any way they can, and the 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 time that they spent in the university was was mm-hmm. a throwaway, because the techni- if particularly if they've involved themselves in some technical pursuit, which has a very short shelf
0: life. Yes. Well. A short shelf life is accepted as a fact of life, however. And the belief is that the world is changing so fast there is no need to uh, specialize in something and to get to know it thoroughly and so on. And I believe that's not right, not true.
1: Well, I think that uh, people are much better equipped if they have a, a, a more general education, a broad general yeah. education, so that they can ch- switch gears if the particular uh, activity that they're involved in initially becomes obsolete, or if their technical knowledge becomes obsolete, uh, they don't just jump in a hole and cover themselves up. I mean, a lot of people become self-destructive when the uh, the, the career that they uh, planned and uh, prepared themselves for in college doesn't materialize. or uh, the technology changes and it's just not there any longer. They don't know what to do about it. Yes.
0: Well, in a sense, uh, the way our discussion has gone has uh, called attention to what modernism leads to. When you deny an absolute truth, you deny any direction to life. Mm -hmm. So you produce an aimlessness in people. They are drifters. They get a job for the money in it or the various conveniences, advantages, but without a sense of calling and without a feeling that uh, this is the way things should be. There's no should be uh, for them, only what do I want them to be. You've shifted the emphasis from a given given by God this is the order we should attain the goal we should have to what do I want out of life
1: you know I've been told by uh, fellows that I grew up with that became professors Uh, two of them one here at uh, Cal State in uh, Sacramento and another one at William and Mary back in Virginia and uh Uh, They were both on the the, uh, faculty advisory committees. And uh, it was somewhat shocking to me to hear these fellows that I grew up with from my generation tell me that when they have a student that comes in and knows what he wants to pursue, he has become suspect. Mm. They actually uh, uh, try to talk him out of it. They, uh, they think there's something wrong with them. I mean, the, these people that, who have some direction, apparently, that's either uh, they get from their family or they have someone else in the family that encourages them to follow some particular course of study and perhaps follow in the father's footsteps or a brother's uh, footsteps, older brother's footsteps uh, before them, uh, they're suspect, and they actually suffer uh, pressure to, uh, to give that up so that they become aimless. The, uh, the academy apparently encourages <laughs> aimlessness so that they can direct them in the direction they want them to go. Yes.
0: Well, this means all more that uh, we must have a strong return to a thoroughly biblical or reformed faith that the direction we in Chalcedon are trying to establish that is a return to the basics of the faith, to God's law, to God's plan of salvation, to the fact of original sin, and how the atonement alone overcomes that handicap that we have a goal in life which is set by God and that goal must be accomplished or else we will drift and we have chosen instead rather to drift in our time than to pursue a direction. So it has been man's will to drift versus God's Determination, God's purpose.
1: It's the only cure for hopelessness that I know.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, our time is nearly up, Douglas. Uh, Would you like to add uh, something to what has been said?
1: Well, uh, for those listening uh, who have children, I would again encourage them, if they haven't already done so, to get them into a Christian school, and start their kids off with that sense of hope and sense of purpose at a very early age along with the self discipline which gives them the uh, ability to stick uh, to to stay the course and to keep encouraging them in whatever field they choose at the earliest possible age because the the longer they uh, uh, or rather the earlier uh, they make those decisions and start preparing for them the better they'll be able to cope when they get out into the world.
0: I'd like to add this note. One of the things that has pleased me in the last few years has been the fact that I have uh, directed a number of people, young and old, to the books of G.A. Henty. And uh, the works of G.A. Henty are being republished by a couple who are a part of our circle, are selling heavily, and are very important in giving a sense of direction to young people in terms of history, in terms of God's purposes, so that uh, if you have not yet uh, familiarized yourself with Henty's books, It's a good time to do so. They have been uh, very influential when first written and uh, into the 20s and 30s in directing thousands of young people into a calling, and they are again becoming influential. It's good to know them and to uh, read them. They're good reading. Well, thank you all for listening. And God bless you.